Hi, this is Jim. Do you know the word rhythm, spelled R-H-Y-T-H-M, is the longest English word without a single vowel? R-H-Y-T-H-M. Now I know that the vowels are A-E-I-O-U, but there is sometimes W and sometimes Y. I guess rhythm is a sometimes word. Go tell that to Bob Dylan. This is Baby Boomer Tales. The Columbine flower is a hardy perennial which propagates by seed. It prefers to grow in partial shade and well-drained soil. It will grow in full sun though. The Colorado Blue Columbine is this state's flower. Columbine was named for the Latin word columba, spelled C-O-L-U-M-B-A, which means dove. Columbines belong to the buttercup family. Columbines bloom in the spring. Columbines arrived in North America between 10,000 and 40,000 years ago. That's according to the U.S. Forest Service. Now for the song of the week. Our song of the week this week is Will You Love Me Tomorrow by the Shirelles. It was written by Jerry Goffin and composed by Carol King. It was originally recorded in 1960 and it made it to the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. It is notable because it is the first song by an all-black female group to make number one in the United States. It's since been recorded by many artists, including Carole King, who co-wrote the song. I'd like to know that your love is love I can be sure of. In old times, before we had much technology that spread the news and special announcements around, or even before most of us had some sort of watch or clock, there was a man around town that was called the town crier. He'd walk around when he had something important to announce, like local news or national news when they could get it, or a special announcement or even the time, probably on the hour. He'd ring a bell. Some of them would say, hear ye, hear ye. Depends on the place you lived, apparently. And then he would announce, it is 4 p.m. Daylight savings time. No, not daylight savings time. We all know that that's not true. Although daylight savings time started a long time ago. It was a brainchild of Benjamin Franklin. Hear ye, hear ye. The Redcoats are coming. No, they didn't use those guys. They used guys like Paul Revere. Hear ye, hear ye. The gang's all here. Ba da 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 da. I picture them as wearing one of those three point hats like the Patriots and the Colony would wear back then. Walk around with a long coat, maybe a glove on that bell hand, ringing the bell, announcing the important facets of life. Is probably a very, very instrumental and, and valuable piece of society there. 
The Town Crier. When I was a boy, there was a restaurant in my little hometown. That little hometown that I speak about so often. That same one that's up in north central Rocky Mountains of Colorado. The little town that sets 8,000 feet above sea level. There was this restaurant called the Town Crier. I remember going in there. They had a big sign of a guy that looks just like what I said with a three-point hat and a bell walking. It wasn't a neon sign. It was a painted sign. But I could just imagine. And why did they name this restaurant that? Well, I think I know why. After looking some history up about this, that restaurant became like the coffee shop for the guys that come in at coffee break time and gather together and drink a couple cups of coffee and tell each other the gossip and the news and the what's happening around the town. That is a small town wonder that still exists today in small towns. That's a coffee shop. When I moved to the city later on in life, I was amazed that some of these old guys had a meet in McDonald's and stuff. That that type of restaurant is really a, a dinosaur and has gone away with the breed of man that would stop everything and go for a half hour and have a coffee break with his friends and acquaintances and hear about all the news of their local establishment, the place they called home. Probably when I was 10, the town crier restaurant sold to a man named Ricky and he renamed it to the Columbine Cafe, Ricky's Columbine Cafe. Now when you walked in there and Ricky didn't change the atmosphere inside too much, you'd walk in and everything was naughty pine. The walls were naughty pine. The booths were made out of naughty pine, all varnished up pretty and stuff. When you walked in the restaurant on your right, there was a cash register that you paid when you were leaving, paid your bill. And then there was a long counter, probably had 10 to 12 stools. It was a long lunch counter right there. On your left, there's a big table right when you walked in, uh, right by the window where you could look out. But then the other wall was lined with booths. And in between the counter and the booths, there's a row of tables that would probably seat four right down the center of the restaurant there. On the walls, there were mounts of deer and elk. I think there's a big old elk right above the front door when you walked in or walked out. But there were deer and antelope. There are also fish mounts on the wall. Pictures and topographical type maps, maps of the area from the olden days. And very interesting things. Maybe a Indian blanket on the wall, if I remember correctly. It was kind of like a museum where you could get lunch or breakfast, if you know what I mean. A lot better than some of these bistro restaurants now that go around to some garage sales and throw a bunch of junk on the walls, in my opinion. Ricky was the main cook, and you could go back, talk to him back there in the kitchen. He was always smoking a cigar. Some of the jokes around town was Ricky's let the ashes just fall into whatever he's making. That was okay because the food was good. Food was good. Food was very, very good, and Ricky's place was a very busy place. There's an old picture in the community of the whole town stood outside at Christmas time and got their picture. Santa Claus was standing with them, and Santa Claus was Ricky. 
Ricky loved to play Santa Claus. He was always at the theater when they brought the children in on the fire truck to watch the great Christmas special Roy Rogers movies and stuff once a year. He'd drive a sleigh or a wagon around with his horse. I wish I could remember Rudolph. I think his horse's name was Rudolph. I do. I believe that. And ride around and give kids presents. Parents would buy the presents, give them to Ricky, and he'd deliver them like a day or two before Christmas. That was always really fun. Not every kid got to participate because not every parent participated. But we got some presents for a few years, and it was a thrill. Ricky must have really loved kids. He must have really loved kids. He used to drive around in his pickup truck, had a big old black lab riding in the back, and that dog would bark at you and thought it was great fun. Tragedy did strike that dog, and I felt sorry for Ricky because I know he blamed himself. Now, don't get me wrong. I am for a dog riding in the back of the truck. Even though there's yahoos out there yelling animal abuse, I've had animals right in the back of my truck before, dogs, and they love it. That's animal love, in my opinion. And I'll never accept that animal abuse they're riding in the back of a truck. That's just ignorance gone to seed, as far as I can tell. Now, if you're going to get offended by that, I apologize for your offense. Can't we all get along? Can't we all get along? Come on, let's try to get along a little bit. Serious here, I want to get along. Can't we all just take a joke? Ah, anyway, where am I? Ricky had this little farm outside of town, just right outside of town, not far. And he had goats and sheep and, of course, old Rudolph the horse and probably chickens. I can't remember if they're chickens or not, but kids like to go there and look at the little animals and stuff. Ricky was a good guy. He was my grandpa's friend. My grandpa's pool hall was right next door to the Columbine Cafe. In fact, when Grandpa retired, he sold the pool hall to Ricky. And I do believe Ricky rented it out to Dorothy for a dress shop. Later, Dorothy bought the hotel next door and tore it down and built a nice dress shop there. But that building, both the old pool hall and the Columbine Cafe, are still there. Now, when Ricky finally retired... And I can't remember the timeline of this too good. I apologize. I don't know why I can't. But Geneva and Mel took over and ran the Columbine. Never changed the name. And I don't know if it was before they ran the Beanery or after the Beanery. I really don't know. But what I do know is Mel made the best biscuits and gravy in the history of mankind. Now some of you from the South might argue with me and that's okay. I love Mel's. Guaranteed the best biscuits and gravy. Anyway, like they say, all things must change. All things must change. But the Columbine Cafe was headquarters for the coffee break, coffee drinkers. Mid-morning and early afternoon. Great place for breakfast and lunch. That's a fact. One of my favorite memories of the Columbine Cafe is one night... I was still living at home. I must have been about 15. And we must have eaten dinner down there. And we were leaving the restaurant. And I don't know where I heard this. If it was on the radio when we got into the car. It was a snowy, cold night. But it wasn't bitter cold because it was snowing. It always warmed up to snow. 
Then maybe it dipped down to 30 below, you know. It was snowing and it was cold. Or if when I was leaving the restaurant, that's how my head has it. But the song Deep Purple was playing. Remember that uh, by April Stevens and Nino Tempo? When the deep purple falls over sleepy garden walls. How can I remember that one scene? I know we all have snippets in our brain. Uh, something will remind us of something. And that's when you say the Columbine Cafe, there's two things. That gathering of the townsfolk at Christmas, taking the picture. It became a postcard that still circulates around social media today. Or the Deep Purple song, Plan. Memory is a wonderful thing. Cherished memories that you hold in your heart can be some of the most special things that you carry through older age. Columbines are a tough, beautiful flower, and they grow wonderfully in the forests of the mountains up there where I was born and raised. I know when you say Columbine, so many people flash to that terrible, awful school shooting down in suburbia, Denver. And that was a tragedy indeed. But I like to think of columbines as that little blue flower that's tougher than nails, that will grow in the cold of the early Colorado summers and bloom and bloom and just kind of standing there by itself for all the world to see if you take the time to go and look. They're kind of like the people who settled that land and the ones I grew up with. Kindness is indeed a choice we all have the ability to make. Be good to yourself and choose kindness. It will make your heart smile. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived at our webpage, there are links to places like our Facebook page, our Twitter page, our YouTube channel, and many, many places that you can link into our podcast pages and hear a few episodes of Baby Boomer Tales. So I'm on the road again. I want to thank you very much for riding along today. Peace out. The Town Crier Cafe was built on Main Street in 1927, one of the older still standing establishments in that little town up there in Colorado. And the big old elk that was stood above the door of that restaurant, if I don't have this wrong, which I don't think I do, was my grandpa's.